And we're back. This week's episode is a sit-down conversation with Susie Jones. Susie has been a member of Strongtown since 2013 and opened up Edgewood Bath and Tennis Club in 2009. She is a regular face at our 9.30 and noon class, depending on the time of year, and she is the reason we've been able to do the summer swim mods throughout the years. We talk about what brought her to open up Edgewood, how she found Strongtown, and the difference between pickleball and paddle tennis, which I learned quite a bit about. I have to thank her for taking the time to chat with me and hope you all enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Strongtown Talks. I am your host, Dan Gallagher. This is a show where we talk with the people and friends of the Strongtown community. Okay, guys, welcome back to another week and another episode of Strongtown Talks. Today I am here with, I have two guests, although one of them is going to be pretty quiet for most of the episode. I am here with Susie and Foxy Jones. I'm at Edgewood, so this is sort of a new environment for me to record in, so it's kind of exciting. It's kind of like a road show. I haven't done one of these in a while. So I'm at Edgewood, which is right up the road from us at the gym, and I'm here with Susie, who, Susie, you are the owner of Edgewood, and you've also been a member at Strongtown since, so I should have looked this up, is it 2013, 14? 2013, 14. 2000, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in that neck of the woods. About eight years now, yeah. um, almost since we've opened. So we've known you for a long time and you've always, for as long as we've known you, you've owned Edgewood. Whenever I get someone on one of these shows, I like to just run through a quick little background, have you introduce yourself. I believe you grew up in the Chicago area. I did. You're not a <laughs> Connecticut native. No, I'm 100% a Midwesterner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in a, a, a suburb of Chicago called Hinsdale. Small town, similar to Southbury, Woodbury, you know, Middlebury area. And when I was in high school, I became a lifeguard. And that's when I started getting into, interested in recreation. And so I did, uh, I lifeguarded for six years. Ended up managing, and we, I was at the public pool. And the public facility was, or still is, an Olympic-sized pool with a diving well with five diving boards and two baby pools. Oh, wow. So that's what that was my impression of what a public pool should look like. <laughs> right, which is not that common of a public pool. <laughs> it is. Well, actually, in the Chicago area, each town has their own public pool. We don't have lakes there like you guys okay. do here. So the public pool is where everybody goes to meet. That's where everybody joins. That's where everybody is. And so when we moved here... I thought, wow, okay, we're going to join the public pool. Um, I was a touch disappointed, <laughs> just from a comparison standpoint. And that's kind of what led us toward building Edgewood. Yeah. Is, you know, providing a little higher level of facility that it would be public access, where you didn't have to bring your own chair and you didn't have to bring your own food and... It was just uh, offered a little bit more. I mean, the public facilities, the towns here do a great job. The recreation programs that they have and the facilities that they provide are wonderful. It just wasn't to the level we thought they could be. I'd agree with you on that. I've been to the Southbury Pool, I think. I mean, it's been closed for I don't know how long, but I've been there once or twice growing up over the years. And the facility you provide here is very different than what they provide there. Exactly. So what year did you actually open up Edgewood? We opened Edgewood in 2010. 2010. We, okay. Well, the 910 year, which was uh, which was tough, 
That's when the big recession hit. Who would have guessed that we would have opened a business in a recession and then also encountered a pandemic? <laughs> you know, granted you opened the business, but I, I think you also built this building, if my understanding is correct. So you built everything here from the parking lot to the pool to the basketball court to the playground to the tennis courts and everything. So this was basically an empty plot of land it before was. Edgewood was here. It what, was. Did, what did you do prior to Edgewood? Because that's a pretty big leap. It was a big leap. And, um, you know, in a previous life when we lived in Chicago, I worked for um, I worked for a big bank. And um, so finance is my background. I did both uh, the brokerage side. I worked for Lehman Brothers for a while. And then I went to work for a big bank and lent money to middle market companies and high net worth individuals. Oh, wow. And so that opportunity wasn't necessarily here in South Ferry, and I didn't really want to commute a long way to Stanford yeah. or whatever to continue with the banking. So I'd always liked recreation, and we thought that there was a need. So it took several years to find a yeah. location. One of the big things that was really important to us was being right off of an exit. And I've looked at other locations just to see what's in the area. And one of the things that always comes back to is that we are in such a convenient location being right off the highway that that makes a huge deal for people in terms of just access to the facility. It completely makes a difference. And because of that, we have members from Danbury, Newtown, and even Cheshire. Yeah. You know, because we're right off of an exit. So, yeah, it's super convenient for people who live in Woodbury, Middlebury, Southbury, even we have a substantial number of people from Oxford. But we wouldn't have gotten the Newtown, Danbury, the Western crowd if we weren't right off the exit. Yeah. Everything you talk about, it's like, it's off of exit 14, it's off of exit 18. I mean, it's kind of our lives. Yeah. Whenever I mention that we're in Southbury, I always have to be very specific about saying exit 16 because, I mean, we're really on the Southbury, Middlebury, Oxford border of the three towns. Right. It's not downtown Southbury like you'd expect with the green or... Yeah. And I mean, we were fortunate here is to be right across from the school. Mm -hmm. The school has 500 families. That's our market. That's our target market. Yeah. You know, so finding the right location was really key. And that takes a while. It does. So you talked a little about the pool and lifeguarding. What was the connection to tennis? Oh, uh, I started playing tennis as a kid. Okay. <laughs> I started playing tennis as a kid. And um, I probably started when I was eight. I played tennis until I was probably 16. And like most kids, I got a job. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that's when I became a lifeguard. And I didn't play tennis much after that. And then I picked up a racket again when I was 28. Okay. And I started playing. A little uh, bit of a jump. A little bit of a jump. Well, between, you know, school, job, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I picked up a racket again when I was 28. And that's when I started playing competitive tennis. And so the other reason for the tennis courts that are here and the paddle tennis courts that are here is that there aren't a lot of them around. I mean, we do have the only paddle tennis courts in the area that are for open use. And there are only five courts in the town of Southbury. Okay. Or actually, I take that back. There are six courts in the town of Southbury. Until recently, they were not in very good condition. In the last two years, they've really started to focus on them, which is a great thing for the community. Yeah, it is. Also, there really wasn't some place for competitive summer tennis. And we have five USDA teams that wow. play their competitive summer tennis. I mean, people forget that tennis is an outdoor sport. It, it is. You know, so many people play indoor tennis that they forget that, oh, yeah, it is an outdoor sport. 
it was just another avenue to generate interest in the community and to drive membership. So when you say you play competitive tennis, that was you entering tournaments and... Yeah, I, I play on a USTA tournament team. Okay. So yeah, two years ago, our team went to nationals. Did they really? Yeah. So that was really fun. <laughs> we didn't yeah. win, but that didn't matter. No. We made it. <laughs> so as you know, my other job, I'm a landscape architect. Our big client is the New York City School Construction Authority. Mm. We do a lot of tennis courts in and around the New York City area. One is to find a court that's in decent condition to play on because mm. a lot of these things, there's a lot of maintenance that goes into the court in terms of keeping it sort of up to a playable surface and level. And the other is that, especially sort of in the New York City area, it's very hard to find regulation courts in terms of a court that has enough clearance around it that you actually can play mm. a tournament and have it count. You know, we can do them for high schools a lot of times to get a practice court. Right. So it'll be striped out correctly, but it doesn't have the clearance around it that you're supposed to have that you would do for a USTA tournament or something like that. Yeah. I mean, a regulation court is 120 feet Yeah. by, I believe it's well, six, 70, six, 70. Seven, yeah. Wide. Maybe. So it, it's a big space. It's a lot of space. It is. It takes a lot of space. And I think that to address that, a lot of communities, since they don't have the space, are putting in pickleball courts. Yeah. Because they're half the size. And we spoke about this recently, that it was my first pickleball court <laughs> at a school in the New York City area. And it worked great because they had an inner courtyard. And it was a court that could fit within the little practice track that we gave them. And mm-hmm. so that they can use and they can then take inside during the winter months. And stuff like that. So yeah, pickleball's been very popular. And I was, when we used to do the swim lot, we always do the back parking lot area. And I remember there was one year when we showed up and there were these, I don't know why you call them, these deck platform things that got put in back there. And those are your pickleball courts, is my understanding. Actually, no, those are the paddle tennis courts. Those are paddle tennis. That is yet another paddle sport. Paddle tennis and pickleball are not the same? Paddle tennis and pickleball are not the same. I did not know that. (laughs) Yes. I thought they were just interchangeable terms. No. Paddle tennis is a winter sport played on an aluminum court that is heated from below. And for paddle tennis, you can play the ball off the screens. Okay. It's kind of like racquetball almost? (laughs) It is sort of like racquetball with a net in the middle. Is it with a tennis ball or is it a different type of ball? No, it's a really heavy ball and it's played with a real dense paddle. Okay. It's paid basically with a very dense pickleball paddle. Okay. The courts are identical in size, mm-hmm. and the rules are completely different. The paddle tennis rules are similar to tennis. You score like tennis, et cetera, versus pickleball. It takes hours to figure out how to score. But the pickleball court is usually a lower net. It's a wiffle ball. Okay. And everything is usually done below the shoulder. That's why the sport is so popular with the senior community. Yeah. It's because the ball is light, the paddle is light, and most of the action is below the shoulder versus paddle tennis. It's a heavy paddle. It's a heavy ball. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, a lot of overheads, a lot of that kind of stuff. And you can actually purchase a pad to play pickle on a paddle tennis court. For So for people who don't okay. have a lot of space, they want to have both sports you can put a pad over your paddle tennis court and oh. flip it to a pickleball court. But okay. you just can't play it off the screens. <laughs> yeah. Learning a lot about pickleball and paddle tennis and things I, I didn't know about. There you go. I mean, I play all of those sports. 
and I do them year round. And because I'm a facilities owner, I am the fourth whenever a fourth is needed. So there's a lot of times when I'm the fourth for pickle, the fourth for tennis, the fourth for paddle, (laughs) and I can find myself on a court five days a week. But uh, I have to say with the wide range of exercises that we do at Strongtown and CrossFit, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> because I actually, I have the strength, I have the mobility and the flexibility that if I need to play five times a week for an hour and a half, I can do that. This is a good transition, Susie. Do you remember what first brought you to Strongtown? Because you've been with us since 2013-ish. Yeah. Well, what first brought me to Strongtown is the fact that I had heard about it. And it sounds weird, but I'm not necessarily that coordinated. And I, I don't do I don't do Zumba, I don't do aerobics. My hands have to go this way and my legs have to go that way. Right. <laughs> that doesn't work for me. I'm always constantly trying to catch up. And I was looking for a class that I could attend that wasn't the dancey kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So actually one of my one of my Android members, the Rafferty's longtime oh, strong yes. time member, yeah, yes. um, happened to mention it to me. And they said, you know, you should come over, you should try this, you know, you like this. And uh, and that's how I started, is okay. that I was, you know, referred from a different member. <laughs> okay, so I didn't realize it was the Rafferty's. I know Sydney, who was also just on a few episodes ago for me. Yeah. She used to work here. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Sid, definitely one of my favorite employees. <laughs> I have a lot of favorite employees, but Sid is pretty close to the top of the list. And yeah. she said you guys used to do the noon class together. We did. That we you did. would go over to the gym and work out really quick and then come back to work. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, and uh, Sid has just done amazingly well with it. And she has. I, And I just, I love following her progress. Yeah. She's a great inspiration, you know, to, to starting fitness, you know, in your 20s and maintaining it and continuing to do it. It just about so, how much of an impact it can really have. It, yeah, most yeah. definitely. Most definitely. And one of the issues anytime with fitness is, you know, I know sometimes we have these injuries and things happen, which kind of set us back. You did have a bit of a hamstring issue a few years ago, I believe. Yeah. Injuries have taken me out of the gym for six months spans of time twice. And they were injuries that were completely not gym related. I was playing can jam. And okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm uh, slightly competitive <laughs> and uh, I uh, was not going to let that Frisbee hit the ground. <laughs> yeah. And I took a step and I did the splits and I'm really not a splits person. And I ripped all three tendons off the bone, all three of my hamstring tendons off the bone. So that took me out of the gym for a little over six months. <laughs> What's that also, I think the hamstrings are something we tend to use. It's one of those muscle groups that if you play tennis or basketball or something, you find it really quick the next day. <laughs> yeah, no, I was um, I was on the ground and I could not get back up. And uh, yeah, I ended up surgery. I've got uh, screws in my sit bone Okay. to reattach all three of them, crutches for eight weeks. And then uh, I promptly separated my shoulder when I was on crutches. So that was, so that was tough. And then I went, actually, I went back to the gym doing personal training with Mike first, Mm -hmm. is how I initially went back after that injury. I did that with Mike for 10 or 12 weeks to ease back into versus trying to Mm -hmm. show up for a class and try to figure it out. I did personal training with Mike, and that's what really rehabbed me back to getting back into the gym full time again. Okay. I didn't realize that that was actually part of the reason you were doing that with Mike. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember you were swimming quite a bit. It was one of those low-impact exercises mm-hmm. that you could do that I think was good rehab. So 
I know during the summer months, you got quite a bit of time in the pool. Yes. Um, you're a very strong swimmer. <laughs> I try. <laughs> now, have you ever done any type of triathlon events? or? Um, I do sprint triathlons. Okay. I do sprint triathlons. The full triathlons, it's just too long. I, I just don't have the time to train. I ran the marathon once, and I run the half four times. And uh, because I like the water, I, I thought I would try a sprint, and I've done several of those on my own. But my children, who have both been in the gym, yes, I think we've done four relays together. Oh, good for you guys. <laughs> I swim. My daughter bikes. My son runs. You make so. John run? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I make John run. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. John gets to run. No, John's a great kid. We love seeing him. Like, he, is he coming home soon by any chance? John will be home next week. I'm sure you'll see him in the gym. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> Yeah, no, whenever he's home from school, we get to see him around the gym. Yeah, yeah. And he's one of Jerry Lou's favorite people, I think. She <laughs> yeah. absolutely loves having John around. Yeah, no, most definitely. Courtney's been gone a while, so she hasn't gotten back to the gym in a long time. Okay. But, uh, but whenever John's home, he's he's there. Yeah, yeah saying we, hi we to do the group. see him. <laughs> yeah, it's the three Joneses that show up. <laughs> exactly. So one of the things I was hoping to get you on here to talk about a little bit today is also, you know, you have... You remember at the gym, you also own Edgewood here. Uh, this past year, 2020, was not easy on anyone with the COVID shutdown and everything. I know you guys got hit particularly hard because it spanned into the summer and that's your prime time. I was wondering if you can talk a little about the challenges you've faced there. Yeah, it was, um, it was really a tough year. We start, being that we're seasonal, we start our membership drives in January, February, and March. Mm-hmm. That's when we start mailing. That's when we start advertising. That's when we start letting our members know that we are going to be open for the season. Mm-hmm. And our regular members start joining right away. So we already had the membership up and running and going when the COVID restrictions started and they shut us down. So since we did not know what was going to happen for the season, we ended up having to refund a majority of the membership fees too. And that was tough because not only do we start membership early in the year, we also start buying for the year. Yeah, We start, we need practice tennis balls. We need chairs. We need chlorine. We need so many items as we continue to update. We had scheduled the cleaning of the tennis courts. We had scheduled all of these types of things, these expenses that we had already paid for, and then we had to go back and refund a lot of the memberships. Or since we were allowed to open the end of June, prorate them, but yet, Mm -hmm. so it really, it it put us in a really tough kind of a financial bind. It was really a challenge. And uh, at that point in time, we were considering selling to the town of Southbury. Um, We wanted to make sure we were fully open and fully aware so that their citizens knew if this went through what to expect and how to expect it. So we had, I think, 30% of the membership and 100% of the expenses. Yeah. So, and I know you guys can relate to how that works as well. No, we can. It's just, it's been a tough year all around. And we were very fortunate. I think we spoke about this before that just the general upkeep costs of this place versus the gym are two different worlds. I remember showing up for swim lot, I think it was two years ago. Justin was here and he's like, the pool's empty. Oh, that was, I, I, I think, the worst text I've ever gotten in my life was you know, my for, picture of my empty pool from you. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> 
And it's one of those things you assume everything's normal. Like, oh, maybe they just emptied the pool. And you're like, no, no, it's not supposed to be empty. But <laughs> no. just, you know, for us at the gym, we'll have a heater go out or something like that, which is, it might be a few hundred to a thousand dollars. It's nowhere near the order of magnitude that you're dealing with, with the upkeep of this place. And also just so much of what you do revolves around the pool and the courts and keeping that up to date. I think one of the things that was incredibly fortunate for us is that we were able to rent out a lot of our equipment. Mm-hmm. The gym was absolutely empty. There's nothing in there. But if we couldn't give out the equipment and we couldn't do those things, I don't know if we would have made it through. And it was enough where we were able to make it through to June and then we were able to reopen. And I feel like things are going in the right direction now, but it's taken a while to get back oh, back there. And it's, it's still yeah. nowhere near what, where it was if I look at, you know, where we were last January, February versus this January, February, that just happened. But Oh, yeah, no, most definitely. I mean, you know, you are member and people driven just like I am, you know, and when they said you can only have 12 people versus the normal class. I mean, there were, you know, 930 there, there could be 20 of us on any given day. And uh, so now, you know, I went from having between 250 and 300 members to I could have 75 or 80 families to cover the same amount of expenses. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it does, it causes challenges. I have to say, I mean, Fortunately, I uh, was able to get a couple of those loans to help us get mm-hmm. through, but it was tight. Yeah. And similar to, I'm sure you and Mike, it's like no one else is working but me because I'm also, I am my most expensive and least expensive employee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it puts a lot of strain. I think, I think it put a lot of strain on business owners. You know, because you have to shoulder everything. You're not bringing in anybody else because you can't, you know, necessarily afford to. Mm -hmm. But yet, you know, you're there seven days a week. You're there seven days a week. And I I know there, obviously there was the PPP and certain loans that were put out there in terms of assistance. We got a 10% break on rent one month, I think. Oh, yeah. But outside of that, you know, all the bills still need to be paid. And granted, certain expenses did go down because we weren't there as much, but we were seriously looking at, should we be downsizing the gym? All we're doing is shooting videos here. We have 6,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. It was a real wild card in terms of what it put on businesses to try to try to sort of weather the storm. Because the expenses were still going out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for us every month, there's always, I'm sure you deal with this too, there's always a little bit of a churn where you lose members every month. People move, things happen, mm-hmm. careers change. And during that time, you know, the faucet to lose people was on oh. full bore. Oh, yeah. And it was virtually impossible to offset that with getting new members in, which is what you always hope to get more new people in the gym than you lose each month and mm-hmm. have it work out that way. But it, it was it was a tough time. Really, it was. I mean, and I lost... Um, usually, I cover a lot of um, my court maintenance costs by leasing the courts to the local area high school and university, et cetera, Mm. because they start playing tennis in early March. Okay. Versus, you know, the membership doesn't play until later because it's too cold. But, you know, the colleges have to get their, the colleges and high school have to get their matches in. And that was all revenue lost (laughs) because they canceled all of their seasons because no one was in school. You know, it was like, okay, all of this work still needs to be done. It's now got to be added to the general budget versus being funded by a different revenue source. 
Right. That type of thing. So we advertised that the courts were open in March, trying to get people outside, trying to, similar to you, you know, renting out your equipment. We were like, okay, you know, if the sun's out, you can come play. Come play. You know, it's going to be a minor fee. Anybody who wants to play, let us know and we'll make it work for you. Yeah. Unfortunately, the indoor tennis courts had to close down, Mm -hmm. you know, similar to you guys. So, I mean, that opened up an opportunity, even though it was cold, people were out there in, you know, ear warmers and... <laughs> yeah, just trying to do whatever you can. I, trying I think to do there whatever was a, you can. There was a small group of 6 AMers who were meeting at the track at Pomprog each morning to do certain workouts with kettlebells and running and stuff like that. I think we were all kind of just starved for just being around people and just having that sort of human connection that, yeah, even if it was having to be on a court in the cold <laughs> or whatever you can do, just to feel some sense of normalcy. Exactly, exactly. And and normalcy is what was key. And that's really what we tried to create last summer by, you know, opening up the entire facility. I could have just said, okay, I'm only doing tennis. I'm not opening the pool. Mm -hmm. Because the pool between electricity, supplies, lifeguards, you know, it's there are a lot of expenses related to it. Yeah. But, you know, because we wanted to offer everybody some place to go that they could feel safe, be outside, and like you said, interact with other people. Yeah. So, and potentially gain some goodwill for when we're, you know, going to be open full time. (laughs) Now, I can cut this part out if you want me to, but are you still in negotiation with the town? Well, you know, we're still open to negotiate with the town. Okay. We are open to negotiate with anybody. Right. You know, um, we think that the town or... A group that is willing to keep it as a facility that is open to anybody who wants to join can join Mm -hmm. versus, you know, a private group who's only wants it for their particular sector um, would be preferable to us. But, you know, we are open to any and all offers. But like I said, if the town is still interested, you know, we're still interested. And Mm -hmm. it's just a question of um, finding the right fit. We have the luxury position of not having to sell. Right. Um, Just because, you know, I'll be 60 in a heartbeat and my husband is uh, going to be as well. Our children and our parents are in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. You know, that's primarily why we're looking to sell is, you know, we'll go back that way. Okay, so that's where all your roots are. That's where the roots are. That's where the family is. So that's why we're looking to sell. Yeah. So we can be picky. (laughs) Well, it's also that whole thing. I think I forgot who it was that I was listening to once. We was talking about sort of the natural evolution of any business is that it either fails and closes, either gets passed on Mm -hmm. as a family sort of asset or whatever it might be, or it gets sold. Right. Um, It's really only one of those three paths for anything. Mm The point of it was basically being that, you know, even if you are trying to pass it on as a family asset, that you still want to structure the business as if you're selling it. Right. So it can be passed on, that it doesn't just sort of go up in smoke. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we don't have any intention of ever just closing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's just, that's not going to happen. Right. That's not going to happen. So, but it's a niche business. It takes a while to find the right kind of a person mm-hmm. to take it over. Yeah, and there, I will say there's nothing like this place around here. So, thank you. It really is sort of very standalone in terms of what it is. I remember even when we first started coming here for Swimwatt, I had no idea this place even existed. <laughs> yeah, that seems to be an issue. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much I spend on those advertising dollars. No, no, I know. We get it at the gym, too. They're like, how long have you been here? I'm like, 10 years? They're like, really? Exactly. So, I think we just get caught in our own bubbles where you assume that everyone kind of knows 
oh, yeah. that you're here. It's like, oh, of course they know I'm here. It's like, no, they don't. I know, exactly. And it doesn't matter the voices, the Republican, the Litchfield Times, the Facebook, right. the this, the that. You're like, really? You haven't seen it anywhere? Yeah, it's never ending. <laughs> So. Are you on TikTok yet? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Maybe that's what I need to right. do. <laughs> so, Susie, I appreciate you taking your time to come talk with me today and sort of hosting me here at Edgewood. This is absolutely awesome. Normally, whenever I wrap up these episodes, I like to run through a series of rapid fire questions. And based on if I'm interviewing a member or they own a business, they get kind of two versions of the same question. So I'm going to give you the option of you can either pick which version you want to answer, or if you have an answer for both, we can sort of go through just, both. Like, we'll see how it goes. Throw in anything you want, and I'll, I'll give you an answer. Okay. <laughs> go either way. So we'll see. The first question that I always ask is that if you had the ability to go back in time and send yourself a message. And at the gym, I ask people, like, this is a message on your first day trying out a class. Mm-hmm. Actually, I do want this answer from you. Yeah. And then if, as a business owner, it's, you know, if you could send yourself a message on the day that you opened up your business, what would that message be? Well, on the first day of class, I would have said, this is going to be better than you could have imagined. Just because I was there and it was just a fitness class. And at that point in time, I didn't realize how much good it was going to do for me, not just from a fitness standpoint, but from, a, I guess, a, a mental standpoint, there's always so much encouragement. And I have made so many friends there. Yeah. If you ever leave this area, Jerry Lou is going to be very upset. <laughs> I, I hate to tell you that. That's all right. I'll be around for a while. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, just the relationships and the, all the different people I never would have met. Right. You know, And we all have a connection. And we're all there to encourage each other. Yeah. You know, I just, I never would have guessed that on that first class that I would have these people in my life you know, for this span of time. And then from a business standpoint, I would have said, you should have opened it in Newtown. (laughs) (laughs) Just because um, I think that... You would have been ahead of your time. I feel like there's so much stuff opening up in Newtown now. I know, exactly. And in hindsight, I think just because they just have such a bigger population. They do. It's just, it's a bigger population hub. And I think that I think I still would have drawn people from the Southbury, Middlebury area. They just would have gone that way. But I just think that it would have just been a, um, just like I said, a, a bigger drop population to draw from. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. If we can go back to the gym thing really quick. Yeah. What was your gym experience prior to Strongtown? Did you used to go to a gym or was it mostly just playing tennis and um, I had, swimming? I, and I never joined a gym. Okay. I had never joined a gym before. I was a runner. <laughs> That's all I did. All I did was run. Other than playing tennis and whatever particular sport, primarily racket sports, I never belonged to a gym. Okay. I did a little bit of personal training, but that was like just kind of boutique personal training. Yeah, yeah. But primarily I was just a runner. That's all I ever did. Okay. So that was actually the first gym I ever joined. Really? Yes. <laughs> That's actually very, for the most part, I feel like people find us after they've tried traditional gyms. They've done some gym stuff in the background. It's pretty rare for us to be someone's first gym experience. <laughs> yeah. Since joining us, have you been to other CrossFit gyms or? Nope. Even when you go back to Chicago? Even when I go back to Chicago, I just, it's not correct. It's a poor assumption that I don't think that I'll fit in there. But there's just such a unique environment Mm -hmm. there that I haven't tried any of the others. Yeah. (laughs) 
That's why. It, I just, I guess, because you guys are so good at being able to fit people to whatever their ability is, that I haven't given somebody else a chance to do that for me. I appreciate that, Susie. <laughs> and I think that that's really the driving factor, is that you guys fit everything to work for the individual. It's not just a mass class that works. This is what we're doing for everybody. Mm-hmm. And I haven't given anybody else that chance. <laughs> I, I, um, I believe you might remember the Hope and Dave. Yeah. They recently moved back to, I guess, the Ridgefield area. They'd moved up to New Hampshire or Massachusetts or Maine or someplace like that. They moved back to the area and they stopped in the gym the other week. And they were very complimentary of both Mike and myself that they've been to other gyms when they've lived up there. And I think they're at a place in Ridgefield now. And they said Strongtown always sort of holds a special place in their heart, which was really nice of them to do. Oh, yeah. No, most definitely. You guys offer a unique experience. You know, one that um, caters to the individual, not just the whole group that's there. And that's what sets you guys apart. I appreciate that. Well, I, I hope we're here for many more years <laughs> yeah, as well. Me too. <laughs> yeah. We're both in the area. I'm going to bounce back to the business thing really quick. When you said you were, you know, in hindsight, you wish you looked at Newtown. Was Southbury based on that this is where you were living or was it really just a good piece of land and a good location next to the highway? It was based on the fact that there really was nothing else here like this. We felt that the the pool in Southbury wasn't up to snuff Mm -hmm. and that um, we thought that it would have the draw, you know, with all of the surrounding towns. Uh, I live in Southbury, but this, like I said, like we were talking before, this it, the location based on the exit mm-hmm. is really why we picked this spot. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, there are so many people here, but in this surrounding area, but to have had a greater population in one community is what's different. Gotcha. It's going to make a difference. Yeah. Susie, <laughs> next question is for my gym members. It's what is your most memorable moment or workout at Strongtown? And for someone who owns a business, I tend to ask them the same thing. What's your most memorable moment as a business owner? Um, I think my one of my most memorable moments is when I actually jumped on the high box. It was, I think it was 24. Is it the 24-inch box? What, I can't remember. What, I, I the, think so. Is that something you're working with Mike on? Because yes. This, yeah, I feel yes. like I remember the story. Yes, yeah. yes. And when I finally... You know, it, we had done so many things and we worked so hard together. And I have to say, it's just another great part of doing personal training with Mike is just him and I working on that skill and doing skill work and working on not just the jumping, but what it takes to jump, you know, what leads up to actually being able to make that jump, you know, yeah. working on frog hops and flexibility and stretching. And so just doing that one-on-one. And then when I finally made that jump, that was like, that was one of my happiest days in the gym. Well, I, I will say this episode wasn't meant to be a plug for personal training. No, but I know I, it, it wasn't, <laughs> but I know, and I, I appreciate that, but it's just, I just encourage people to, if you really want to work on something, I mean, because uh, also because of that, I have double unders, you yeah. know? Well, I will say it does help sometimes that, you know, in the class we tend to do so much mm-hmm. and it's, we have a group of people there's the review of the workout, the warm up, and then the workout. And there's only so much time you can spend with each person. You know, if you have a specific goal that you're working towards, it 
does help to sort of just have that extra attention, that focus that's just sort of working with you towards that goal. Right, exactly. And I mean, there were certain things I wanted to be able to do. And I I wanted to be able to just focus on that and that making that one-on-one time is what really made a difference to get me there. Mm-hmm. There's just, there's not enough time in before class or after class. So just to um, spend that time to really hone in on one thing and then get there is huge. Yeah. We had a woman, she's new at the gym the other day and she wanted to, she wanted to work on her snatch. Mm-hmm. And so we booked a session and she came in and we just did a half hour and she was, she felt like she got a lot out of it, which was good. Oh yeah, no, most definitely. Yeah. So what's your most memorable moment as a business owner? The day we opened. Really? The day we opened. Most definitely. I can see that. Most I mean, definitely. A, yeah. When, you know, when the, the pool deck was filled and everything was running and people were having fun. I mean, that was, I, it took so long to get to that day. Looking for a spot and building and doing all of those types of things. That was definitely, you know, and, and there's that cliche, you know, the, your best day is the day you open and the day you close, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. I can see it. So, but yeah, no, that was, that was truly, I think my best day. How long was it of a process from you finding the piece of property to actually opening? I'm assuming it must've been years. Four years. Four years. Four years. Deciding to do it, to finding the property, to securing the financing, to getting it built. Yeah. The permitting and everything else. Everything. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Four years. Yeah. <laughs> there were many times we would have bailed <laughs> there were many times that, i'm sure that, that it's like oh no that, what were we doing and maybe this isn't the thing to be doing yeah what was the last thing to be finished here was it the pool or the tennis courts um the last thing to be finished was probably the inside of the building inside of the building yeah inside of the building the buttoning up all of the inside of the building. Okay. And that, those were the last, they were literally walking out the door the night before we opened. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so, but hey, it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. All came together. It all came together. It always works out. Yeah, there you go. Susie, you touched on this question a little bit, but we'll see if you have a different answer. <laughs> Is there anything that you are now able to do that you thought you would never be able to do? And for the gym people, it's in relationship to the gym and fitness. A lot of times people come into the gym, they see things like, I'm never going to be able to do that. And then the other version of this question is that as a business owner, are you now doing anything with Edgewood that you thought you would never be able to do? As far as the gym, I mean, yeah, box jumping, double unders, and actually even just doing a handstand against the wall. Yeah. (laughs) Even just doing a handstand, literally having the confidence to be upside down and for I'm going to be 58 in a heartbeat. That's an intimidating process. At least it is for me. But those are really the things that I'm most proud of, you know, at the gym and that I didn't think I would be able to accomplish. And um, as far as the business is concerned, to be perfectly honest, I'm, I'm glad we survived. I wasn't really sure we were going to make it you know, opening during the reception. And then I'm happy every year (laughs) that we're still continuing to be here and still continuing to make all this work. I mean, it's tough because you you really do carry all that (laughs) that load. I mean, in terms of signing everything, it's your name on them. There's that responsibility there. It can be heavy at times. It's, uh, there are days when I get up and I'm like, I I don't want to (laughs) go. I don't want to have to handle all this today. Yeah. But, you know, you do. And then there are so many great days and it's like, I mean, I actually look forward to Memorial Day weekend and seeing all the kids again and the yeah. joy that comes back, <laughs> the joy that walks back in the door. <laughs> oh, I know. This place is quiet right now. <laughs> yeah. 
And it, I know once that deck fills up, it's not quiet. <laughs> no, it's not. And this year particularly, I think, will be great because it, it'll be life again. Yeah. It'll be life as normal again. I know we're starting to see that at the gym too, which has been nice. Yeah, definitely. Um, definitely. Being able to open the doors and be outside, the warm weather, it's just very refreshing. Oh, most definitely. I, I don't remember if it was Monday or Wednesday, but we were all, the rowers were outside and we were all outdoors. And it felt, it felt like it was normal again. <laughs> yeah. I know, right? <laughs> so Susie, the next question is that, are there any common myths that you often hear about CrossFit or the gym that you wish you could debunk? And then I don't know, I was trying to think of a version of this for you guys at Edgewood. I don't know if it'd be, I don't know, myths about recreation, swimming, tennis, paddle sports. That one, I, that one I'm not really sure about. But I think that the myth about the gym is that it's not for everybody. It is for everybody. It's for anybody. It's for anybody of any given age and any given ability level. You don't have to be super in shape or super fit or super anything to uh, to be able to participate in every class. Yeah. And I think that there's no reason people should be intimidated. There are individuals from, I would say, you have every walk of life and career there. Yeah. <laughs> you really do. And there is something that can be done and something everyone can do. I think that people just need to get over to, to realize that fact. You know, someone will come up that they're trying to get a parent or a relative to do it. And, mm -hmm. that, you know, they say that they're too old or that they can't do it. And, you know, we always sort of defer to Jerry Lou in terms that she's 76 and right. she started this must have been eight, nine years ago. But so she's been doing it since her late 60s. She, did, she hasn't been doing it her entire life. You know, everyone has their thing. So for some people, they're really into hiking or they're really into running. And I think as long as people have that physical outlet, that's important. And I think the gym is something that anyone can do. But at the end of the day, I understand that it's not necessarily for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I like to think that we try to provide a service and a place that anyone is welcome and that regardless of where someone starts, that we'll be able to fit them in and they'll get a good workout at the end of the day and they'll hopefully make some friends along the way. Oh, no, most definitely. There is something for everyone and everybody is always so nice and so welcoming and it's not one of those places where nobody talks to each other. Everybody says hello. Yeah. And it's for the whole, not for the individual. Yeah, we're all making our little individual PRs, but the goal is for the entire class to succeed. And I think that's felt at every class. I really appreciate that, Susie. <laughs> no, well, it's true. I mean, that is the general feel there. Yeah. That, I mean, everybody wants everyone in the class to succeed, not just them to make their own personal goal. Right. Yeah. You celebrate everyone else's victories as much as you celebrate yours and they celebrate yours. Well. Right. Exactly. I like so. that. So I was trying to think about one for Edgewood. I would almost say it could be similar that I think a lot of people assume Edgewood is a, an exclusive private club. And I do think that this is a place that anyone can join as well. Oh, yeah. That's a good point. That is a very good point. People do get the perception that, oh, this is only for, or this is... This is only for some elite group or for some certain crowd. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we have, um, we have a real diverse membership from not just the town people live in, but from what they believe and for where they're from. So I think that it's pretty welcoming to just about everybody. We try to be. <laughs> yeah. And your pool is absolutely amazing. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> um, it's one of the... The zero depth entry. The zero depth entry. Because in like a beach, Yeah. And then you have the lanes and you have the diving blocks and I'm looking forward to getting back out there this summer. I'm hoping to, uh, Mikey always jokes that he's going to attend one of these swim lots oh. once. 
And I keep saying this will be the year, but that's been a running joke for many years with Mikey. It hasn't <laughs> no. actually quite happened yet. Exactly. Well, I'm hoping to have this the whole Strong Town family here, you know, at the end of the season. I'd yeah. like to try to do that. We wanted to do it last year, and then with COVID, we really couldn't, but yeah. I'm kind of Pretty much everything to... I tried to do last year just fell apart. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, we're hoping to have the whole Strong Town group out this summer again. I like that. Yeah, I mean, we're going to do the, you're going to do the anniversary party there, and then we'll try to do something here as well. Very good. That'll be so. a lot of fun. We'll put that out there. We'll do a save the date. <laughs> yeah, seriously. We have a lot of strong time members. <laughs> you do, yes. <laughs> we do. Yeah, especially actually, I noticed you get a lot of people once they have kids too. <laughs> yes. Because yes. I, I think they're, people want to do something with the kids or have a place that they can take the kids. And it's mm-hmm. nice that they can take the kids here and put them in the pool and right. sit on the deck. One of the things I always found funny, I didn't realize how competitive it can be to get good chairs out there. <laughs> and we'll see it at Swim Wild where people show up early, just drop a bag down to save their spot and then they'll oh, leave. Oh yeah, they want their spot. <laughs> people like their locations like for whatever quick, reason it's a quick stop by but they're like no i'm going to claim this chair so no one else gets it right it it it's it, 7 or 8 a.m they're claiming a chair from when they come back at 10 right <laughs> yeah does that ever cause issues yes <laughs> i believe it yes because there's going to be a bag there for so long before someone realizes that it's right like why is a bag taking up my spot in the shade <laughs> right yeah exactly so Fortunately, we don't have those issues. <laughs> no, yeah, you're fortunate, definitely. Every now and then we'll get people register for two classes oh, and like okay. to hold their spot. And for the most part, it's not an issue. But if it's a class that's busy or one class is full and one class is waitlisted, we try to at least reach out to them to say, hey, you know, do you know which class you're coming to? Can we just put you in one of them? Yeah, exactly. So Susie, we talked about what first uh, what first brought you to the gym. What keeps you sort of motivated to come back after all these years? Um. What I guess what keeps me well, for one thing, I think the people. I really, I mean, I am a fixture in the nine thirty, you know. And uh, during the summertime, though, I, I I spend a lot of time at noon, just because that works better for my work schedule. Mm-hmm. But what keeps me coming back is the ability to do everything else that I like to do in life, be it swimming, running, and any of the racket sports. And I think that the continued level of training is what allows me to do that without injury. Yeah, I think it's that whole idea that I was talking to someone the other day about their interest in getting their child involved in the gym. And I said, CrossFit gives you that foundation of fitness. Mm -hmm. It's not going to make you the best racquetball player or tennis player or whatever it might be, but it will make you stronger while you're playing that. And I I think it, it has that ability to transfer over to these other things we do in life. So we can start seeing that real world applicability between the work we put in the gym and then being able to do these other things, being able to hop in five games throughout the day, whatever, so everyone has their foursomes. Exactly. And it really, it, it does. It allows me to do that and to do those other things well. That's why I keep coming. Yeah. It's because I'm not giving up anything yet. <laughs> <laughs> and so the flip version of that question is for Edgewood. What keeps you motivated and coming back? You're on, this must be what, your 12th or 13th year? Yeah, this is our 12th year. Just continuing to provide a service to the community, continuing to provide a place for people to come and to go and to get an outlet and to get outside and get those little kids off their tablets and video games and everything else that uh, in an environment that, you know, they feel safe and comfortable in. I mean, people bring their kids here and they just let them run. Yeah. They don't have to worry that they're going to 
get taken or whatever. They're on the pool deck and the kids are in the playground or on the basketball court or somewhere. And it's to be able to provide an environment for that, for people to do that, just kind of keeps us motivated to move on and move forward. Yeah. I like it, Susie. Good answers. <laughs> I, I have one last question. Sure. And Foxy is literally attached to your hip. <laughs> she has always been attached to your hip. Have you always had dogs? Like, can I hear a little bit about the background story on Foxy and how she became um, so amazing? She, um, Foxy is our second oh, dog. She's perking up right now. Yeah. She's like, I heard my name. We have had Foxy for nine years. And our first dog was a rescue. And uh, we got Rose when she was a little bit older and she, because she was a rescue, she didn't like being in the car. She didn't, you know, she's was an amazing dog. But unfortunately, when we lost her, we got Foxy as a puppy. And, uh, you know, the joys of owning your own business is you can take your dog to work. <laughs> yes. And you guys were nice enough to let her go to the gym. So she has... Is, she was. She would literally just sit in the corner the entire time. <laughs> yes. She just sits in the corner and uh, just watch everybody work out. And then at the end of the workout, she would go around and check on everybody and... <laughs> yeah, see who brought her treats. <laughs> yeah, see. It's mostly like Jerry just Jerry Lou. Lou. Jerry, Jerry Lou, her favorite. And, you know, she's like, okay, who will pet me? You guys... She'd wait for everyone to lay on the floor. <laughs> or when Mikey turned the music off, she knew that she could go say hi. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> I think that just because she's just been with people for so long that she that's all she wants. That's all she wants to do is be be around and have people give her attention. Yeah. <laughs> so she'll come back to the gym when things are, are calmed down a little bit more. I think they're, they're getting there. They're getting there. They're getting there. I think just because she goes everywhere all the time and she always has it. And when we got her as a puppy, my husband was going to work. The kids were in school. And to train her, she had to come to work. <laughs> right. So she was just with you all the time. She was just with me all the time. So, but she's a, a huge fan of your family. <laughs> <laughs> we like dogs. Yeah, exactly. Everyone likes dogs. Yes. So she's a good one. She is. <laughs> so Susie, I appreciate having you on the show today. If anyone has any questions for you about Edgewood, I will share your website. Please do. Info um, in the show notes. Is there a place that they can reach out to you? Should I, is there an email or oh, yeah. social media? Uh, there's a, Edgewood has a Facebook page. Feel free to drop me a question or info at edgewoodbtc.com. You okay. know, we'll get back to you. And BTC is Bath and Tennis Club. <laughs> yes, it is. Or, okay. Because I think there are some other Edgewoods. <laughs> there are other Edgewoods. Yes. So BTC is Bath Tennis Club. So that was another regret. <laughs> Should have gone with swim. <laughs> <laughs> we should have gone with swim. Oh, yeah. We thought we were being cute, but we should have just gone with swim. As, as, the, as the British. Yeah, exactly. I like it. Susie, thank you so much. No, well, thank you for having me. Everything else, I mean, literally, the gym means a lot. It's a big part of my life. I like it. We're happy to have you. <laughs> thank you. So, Susie, we'll see you soon. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Strongtown Talks. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to leave us a rating or review. We are always grateful for any feedback we get. 